What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 61 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. And for the first time ever, that beautiful bastard over there in the, in the cool jacket. I want one of those cool jackets. He's too stylish. We have Al White. Hey. Yay. Al White, of course. Friend to all. Of everyone? Of everyone. Of the old people? A community no. member for a long time. You came into my life when we were working at IGN. Yeah. And you had this film called Spider-Man Eclipse. Yeah, don't remind me of that. Wh- what do you mean? What? What? I fucking no. hate that film, man. No. I fucking hate it. You're not allowed to say that. Why I do you hate it? To, it's the least favorite thing I've ever done in my entire life, but it opened nice doors. And it got so. you. You met us. Yep. And then you went off and you keep making movies. You're making all this cool stuff. You're going to tell us about it, I'm sure. And then, of course, for some reason, you took your windfall because now that you're a millionaire and you you backed us on Patreon to come be on the show. Yeah. A personal friend of ours well, gave we'll us money. Up. It was all right. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Much appreciated. We and love unnecessary. Well, but um, the Spider-Man thing was was really cool. You're wrong. Thinking the that Spider-Man it's Eclipse was great. I'm, I'm Everybody pause wrong. this on YouTube and go watch it on YouTube. YouTube.com slash start. That still exists. And the <laughs> video is still it was there. On start? You're right. Fox yeah, it was on start. That. I made yeah. the thumbnail and I hated it. I hated the thumbnail. I was like. There's too much text on this, and Fran fought me on it, and it is what it is. When Fran wants something done. Fran, had it been my way, done. that thing would have got a million views, and now it's at a lowly. I don't know. Do you know how many views is that? Um, I lost my ticket like six hundred or something. Okay, Everybody cool. tweeted Fran go. Mirabella and tell him he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> is that his? Is that his Twitter? No, it's what's not. his. FM3? Is, uh, well, everybody tweet. Google Fran Miller-Bella Twitter, and then you find him and you tweet out, and you screwed over Spider-Man Eclipse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll know exactly what you're talking I'm gonna about. I'm going to take it to my grave, my business. Um, so before we get into the whole rigmarole and stuff, what, what do you do? Um, it's a very good question. Uh, I run, well, I part run a company from LA, London, and Tokyo. Uh, we make movies, and we're about to start making video games. And we do some music as well on the side. We've got first couple of feature films coming out this year. And we have like a podcast, and we try and do some reviews and stuff and things like that. Well, that's cool. What, what you're doing it all wrong? What, what what pimp one of those? You just said you're doing things said, like yeah, a, I'm not what's a web address somebody can go to to listen to uh, podcasts, watch the movies? We go. We are Tessellate uh, with two S's, two L's, and we're on that and everything. All the social medias, URL, uh, YouTube. Temporary Kevin, stuff. write it down I'm so we get a thing. Down. Colin, continue looking gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> you're you're extra gorgeous today, Colin. Thank you. I appreciate it. What is this shirt you're wearing? It's dredge. Oh, dredge. Yeah. Ridge. They're a band, of course. Uh, what is this? Tessely? Tessellate. <laughs> Tess- yeah, this is my fucking problem, man. I always, whenever I start a company, I pick some weird, obscure yeah, word you that means do that. something to me. Uh, Tessellate. It? It's T E S S E L L A T E. Thank you. We are Tessellate. Yeah, we are Tessellate. All right, got it. We are? Yeah. 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 We're kind of, we have a weird sort of socialist thing going on with how we pay each other and things. So it's, it's strange. What does that mean? Well, basically, so could we have a, like a, a pretentious thing called the ambassadors, which are people that we trust that we want to work with. Um, and we kind of, you know, we're in a good position at the moment, so we don't have to do too many corporate things. So we kind of have a lot of cool equipment and we'll lend it out to people that we like. And oh. we'll just take credit and stuff. If they make over a certain amount, we'll take a percentage, but then we'll use that to help fund other projects within oh, the ambassador cool. program kind of thing. You're doing big shit. I appreciate that. Uh, we're like, like, we're lucky at the moment, you know, the time when we're not lucky. <laughs> be fucking assholes well ladies and gentlemen this is the kind of funny games cast every week we gather together to talk about video games and all the things that we love of that nature then you guys can listen to us do those things over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games where it's broken up topic by topic monday through thursday the full video and mp3 is released on fridays either on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or itunes if you want the stuff early you go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games toss us a dollar this one will be worth a dollar. Damn right it will we be. We get all that stuff. When's the last time we did one that wasn't worth a dollar? 
Um, I don't know. There was a couple though. You I'm gonna so? be honest. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, there was a couple that were just bad. I think we've been on a roll. Lately. We've been on a roll lately. Brandon Jones last week was excellent. Mm. Big fan of that episode. Sure. Um, I just hate. I don't like bringing the unemployed people on. You know, I like people who have a job and something to promote, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, a job. Uh, <laughs> I work, I work in film. Let's not get ourselves. And we had Dunham. Dunham mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. We're on a good guest. Street. So no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Don't fuck this up. Don't be the guest that derails it all. I'll just stay quiet the entire time. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you'll you'll do great. The first topic of the day is the division. You know, back in the, the late late 2015. Oh, hard to remember that. But on, yeah. uh, on Gamescast, we started doing a lot of topics that are why you need to play this game sure. or that game. People got real People mad got at all upset. So now it's should you play this yes. game or that game. This is the first one of this year mm. because, you know, now that the games are actually starting to come out, the division finally here. You've been playing it a lot. I have. Let's go been. around the table. Have you played any division? I played about two and a half hours last night. Okay. Oh, yeah, so I beefed well. up. All right. Six and a half, seven okay. hours in. CMO. It's about three hours. CMO. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tim, how thing? many hours have you None, played? Zero. You're a piece Not of garbage. Play again. But uh, I want to know what you guys think. Is it worth it? Is it cool? Should I play it? That's always the question. That's always a hard question. The blanket should you play a game is tough because they always I want to know what you like in a game and this and that and the other. The fact that you're not interested in it, I would say no, don't play it. For me, it is I am in love. I I have I am addicted. I just it's one of those things where it's like, God, can the day end? Can this stop? Oh my God, I can't believe we have this meeting. Can I just can maybe if all right, we, like there was today when you went and laid on the couch while I was finishing emails. I'm like, I probably got a good. 45 minutes here, maybe 30 where I could stop doing my emails and go play. You know, I'm like, now nah, I'll do my work. You know what I mean? Like it's under my skin that way. However, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. This isn't like if it's, it's third person destiny in a much mm-hmm. cooler environment, I think in an awesome fleshed out world. It, these, you know, I'm still picking up holotapes and all these things and cell phones and, you know, pages from the survival guide. And like, it's one of those where last night I ran and played a bunch of uh, missions with Fran and our friend Brendan, right? And, you know, Fran was behind where I was and where Brennan was. So we were helping him out in his missions, but then we were making him do them on hard. So we would get like more of an experience, more of a challenge or whatever. And so, you know, we went in there and it was just like it was in Destiny when you try to do stuff that hard like that. And I didn't even get crazy about Destiny, as you know, but more, I guess, even more like DC Universe Online, where we went in there and it was like inch by inch like we're going in there and this guy comes out and he's like you know level 10 or whatever and he's wearing armor and stuff I'm like ah, I'm like running back trying to do it and we're screwed this that and the other it was it was what we wanted it was like this huge uphill climb right for this minimal gain of like maybe we got 200 more credits maybe a few more resources than we would have got playing on normal but it was the fun of playing with your friends and going mm-hmm. through and doing that and then you know the opposite of that is like you know i i you know we end work a bit earlier than our friends who aren't home from work or have dumb kids and families they have to see and so like when i jump on there and i'm all alone it's like okay cool now i'm just gonna go oh there's an encounter over there i'll go and engage in that encounter oh i need some resources there's resources over there i'll just i'll hunt and gather kind of thing. i'll gather i guess rather than hunt you know what i mean like i'm out there getting these little things doing these little bits before i go on these bigger missions with friends and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's hitting everything i wanted it to hit i don't it's not like i'm not getting the last of a story out of it. I, you know, I've, I've fallen through the world. Brendan th- fell through the world last night. Like there's little things like that. I, you know, on launch night, I had the, about an hour where I couldn't connect, but that was, you know, typical for a launch game, which mm-hmm. sucks to say, but is also better than it could have been. I was, yeah. Once I got there and the air code popped up, I'm like, well, guess I'm not playing this tonight, but an hour later it corrected. I was like, okay, cool. So for me, it's what I wanted, which is awesome. Cause I feel like firewatch was that first game. I was super psyched about coming out and then I got it and I played it and it wasn't what I wanted. And I was like, ah, oh, that sucks. Here you are. What about you? Al? 
I've been thinking about it quite a bit, to be honest, because I, I always, I think I have quite a lot of problems with Division, but I think the problems I have more come from me and how I'm kind of changing as I get older and what I want from a video game. I used to always wanted that MMO. I mean, I'm a console player. I'm not a PC gamer at all. Um, so I just always was waiting for that great MMO to come mm -hmm, over to mm -hmm. consoles and something I really wanted to get involved with. Sorry, DC Universe was not the one. Uh, DC Universe was the best MMO. I believe it was universally <laughs> said. Isn't that right, Kevin? Yeah. See? Um, so I'm... Uh, <sighs> I was I was initially really excited when this was announced what, like three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, and it looked gorgeous and and it was one of the games I was, I was really in, like anticipating coming out. And then when it, uh, the graduates came out, and you started seeing the beta let's plays, and I just watched you know I watched a lot. I spent a lot of hours watching people play stuff while I'm doing stuff, and it's just on in the background. I yeah. kind of take it in you know by osmosis. And I, I there was nothing in it that I at no point did I really understand what the point was. You know, mm -hmm. I, I never really kind of understood what was the incentive. Like, well, nothing about it excited me at all. I know it looked really pretty <coughs> and the game kind of seemed fine. Um, but I want to give it a benefit of the doubt and like, yeah, I got it yesterday and uh, played a couple of hours of it and it plays better than I thought it would. Like, I thought it was going to be quite loose. Like, it does, it's much closer to how satisfying the sort of cover combat and Gears of War and things are. But the difference is like, I really, I really cherish narrative and story mm -hmm. and i think mm -hmm. the world's beautiful in division um it's it's really gorgeous and the less plays i had didn't really showcase really how beautiful it looks when you actually get sure mm. especially as like the sun goes down or whatever the yeah. light bounces off buildings yeah and i love the world like it's snow i love snow i love apocalyptic kind of things i like being <laughs> in big cities that are empty that's kind of my dream i just want everyone in the world really to fuck off and be able to wander around in my own place you get along with colin uh, yeah. um but i'm just playing it and admittedly i'm not playing it with anybody else you know i can see some idiots running around and doing jumping jacks and stuff and like kind of destroying the occasional immersion that I'm getting uh -huh. in the game. Um, but it was literally, you know, I mean, I only played two and a half hours, but I'm running somewhere. I turn a corner, that little voice pops in saying, oh, enemies are approaching. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll shoot them. And then I turn the next corner, like, hey, enemies are approaching. I'm like, all right, I'll dug down and shoot them. And, and it's satisfying combat, but it's just not, it, I don't really get what it is I'm waiting for. I don't really get mm. what it is that my incentive is. You know? No, I, you're not wrong. Like, that's a great example. I mean, of like, what the division is, I think, with more probably negative spin on it, right? Or like if you, you're questioning if it's for you. Again, going in for me, like the incentives, the gear treadmill, right? right? Like I'm so stoked to get, oh man, I got a level 30 piece of, or you know, 30 damage resistant armor versus this 29 or 27 I've been wearing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like stupid woman walks up to me and wants an energy bar and I give it to her and she drops a piece of clothing and I get to go in and go to apparel, which is, you know, not thankfully tied to my equipment and change what I'm wearing underneath the stuff and all this that's cosmetic good. stuff. So like, that's the thing of like, I was talking about it, you know, uh, the day, uh, Tuesday, I guess, actual launch day, but you know, the the morning after playing it and it was the first time in forever after seeing a million ubisoft games where i probably do you want to talk connect to Uplay? i'm like no mm -hmm. fuck off and then monday night i was playing with scott Lowe, and i was like damn dude that's a cool outfit how did you get those pieces and he's like oh it's a uplay reward and so i woke up the next morning after playing at 1 30 and i'm like google uplay go there reset the password, password reset, jump in. Yeah, exactly <laughs> get in there and then buy that piece of, you know so now it's like mixing and matching like last night i was totally happy to get a new a red scarf that I really think pulls together this outfit. I'm wearing this white parka I got. I got white white uh, suede sneakers to match the parka. Uh -huh. I'm doing pretty well. The red scarf pulling it all together. But that's like the nerdy, stupid crap that's happening in this game where it's like there's that and it's it's yeah it is MMOs. It is destiny. It is like I think you have to. It's like you're saying you have to care about those, those yeah. things that dangling like the carrot has been dangled. And I don't really care about the carrot has been dangled. Like well, it does play quite a lot like gears to me. And I'm yeah. interested when gears comes back at the end of this year if people are going to give a shit anymore. Like because it's you know it's a, it's a tent pole game and it really fell off the ledge a little bit. And it's are people going to care as much as they used to? 
But playing this just really made me remember what I love about Kids One is there's a story and there are cool set pieces. But two, it's that the gear that they're they're dangling in Gears War is really fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Like there are some really cool weapons in that game, and there are some really cool things you can do with your friends. And maybe that isn't the division. I just haven't seen it on anything that I've watched yet. In terms and I, of and it's one of those, yeah, I guess seven hours, six and a half, seven hours in, right? Like it seems like no, I'm just striving for a better M4, right. a better mod for this M4 to make it more powerful to do this yeah. kind of damage That's and get a new sniper mean. rifle or something like that. Colin. Um, I think it's very good. I, I don't know that it's it's it, it, it's a great game, but I, I think that it's it's good and there's a lot to like about it. That's what I tweeted yesterday. I think there's a lot to like about the game. I think that uh, one of the shocking, like there's some shockingly bad design choices in the game, I think, that the menus are fucking awful. I want to like be like unequivocal about that. The menus are terrible. And, and uh, like the way that they contrast with the world and like the way that they're like off center and pitched like, like kind of almost like you're in a 3D space. I'm like, what the fuck? Like th- this is... That was like one of the first things that hit me where I'm like, why is this design like this? But once you get like past all these like strange issues, um, like where you can't see half the shit that's going on in the game. Another thing is the there, there's a the D pad prompts look like X's, uh, which is like <laughs> hit this to do that. And I'm like, what I'm, the fuck? I, it's which, like hit which X one? to do everything. I'm like, OK, like I don't. And then I'm like, oh, is that an arrow pointing left? Because it looks like an X to me. Um, but when you get past like all that kind of stuff, I think the gameplay is fun. It's fun to play a role playing game that, you know, where where numbers are popping out of enemies as you're shooting them. Um, as opposed to slashing them or shooting them with an arrow or whatever you're using guns. I, I also think that it's really bold that the game takes place in New York City. And I, 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 I uh, um, it, it takes, I don't think people look at it, especially maybe younger people, but like it's, it's kind of still faux pas in a lot of ways to go in New York City and destroy it like that um, after what happened in 9 11. And I'm certainly not one of those sensitive people that thinks that. And I'm from New York. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see New York like use the way it should be in, in, in apocalyptic fiction like that because it is a great setting. It's a better setting than almost any other setting because it's it's so populated and so important um, to the economy and to the mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. and the culture that like when you re- when you remove all of that and strip it all down, it actually it makes it scarier. And so, no, I, I, that's my thing. You know, whenever we talk about space, right, I, I was like, I don't like space and it's not universal. I enjoyed this. Then. But like. It getting excited for this game when I was like, this looks like it's going to be like third person destiny. And I like destiny fine, but I fell out of it. You know what I mean? The world's are never connected with it. But like last night, even running through with Fran and Brennan, right? And mild spoilers, I guess, but for an artistic direction and what they're doing with the city and all this different stuff, right? Like one of the missions that I'm sure you'll do a million times and see something similar to it. We, you know, we went underground and we're going through and it was going through like, you know, where they've been storing all the bodies. And so you're going over this catwalk and around and you look down and it's just fucking body bags everywhere and huge heaping piles. And then the way they were using light and playing off, it was like, man, that's really, and this is my second time going through it. I'd seen the body bags before, but never stopped to really marvel at it and be like, fuck, this hits closer to home when you're like, this is a cooler idea because it could happen kind of thing. Mm. But then going through in the next room or right before the boss's room, I guess, I hadn't paid attention before when you're going over this other catwalk and it's just dozens, if not hundreds of caskets and they all have the American flag draped over them. Mm. And it was one of those things where we all stopped walking or like stopped and pointed out to each other. Like, holy shit, look at like, you know what I mean? The, The way they were using light, like there is something that is way more eerie and interesting and cool than anything I ever did in destiny of running across the moon, right. And picking up sure shit and shooting a vandal. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do agree though, that there, there doesn't seem to be a hook like the, the, and I've only played it for a few hours. So, I mean, I've not explored all of the game, but it just like you're questing and you're getting gear, but like, I don't need the aesthetic shit. Like I'm, I'm so sick of like the hyper customization in games. Like I don't, I just don't understand it. And like, I don't, I, I just don't see how it's immersive. I think it's a, it's a distraction and it's like a, a check box on the back of a, a game box not important you know and and uh 
like gameplay is fundamentally important. I do think the cover based gameplay is solid. I think there are better cover third person shooters for sure. But, um, you know, so I think that like there, the gameplay is fun. It's satisfying to level up and I seem to be leveling up pretty rapidly. Um, which is interesting. Enemy scale. So when you play by yourself, which is cool. Um, and you have this option to play with people or not play with people. Someone stuck into my game and I was, you know, cause I think I was like friends with them or whatever on PSN and I just kicked them out and shut it off. So no one can come into my game, but you're still seeing people <laughs> on the map that are your friends. And you know, you, it is a little weird going to like the headquarters and there's like a million people just gathered around shit. And so it's a little like, so like for all the cool stuff in there, there's like some weird design choices. And I'm like, this is a little muddled and messy, um, and not very well thought out, but, um, but I do think that the game's fun, and I don't know how long I'll play it. But it's it's uh, it's cool. Yeah, so a nice third person shooter role playing game in New York City. Can't really complain about that. Um, and uh, there's an eeriness to it, as, as I've said many times in the past. I love the idea of it happening on Black Friday, so that New York City is in a perpetual Christmas, basically, which I think is really, really, really a really cool idea. Um, and uh, not necessarily novel, but just a cool idea that there's just Christmas decorations forever. Um, and, uh, I like that, you know, the city feels empty because it should, people are scared and, and, um, so there's not a problem, a huge problem with that. Taking place in, taking place in Midtown Manhattan is interesting. Um, starting in Brooklyn is even more interesting, I think. And, and I, I, I wonder, um, how they'll expand the map and how they'll play in the future if we get to, you know, uptown and downtown, but obviously also to the other boroughs and, and how that will play as well. So I think there's like a, a future for this game, but it's it's. It, I think this game's gonna have the same arc as Destiny, where people are gonna are gonna be like, well, what what's really the point of this? And like, where's the content? How much can I possibly do in this game? Um, and mechanically, having played Destiny for a little while, uh, I think Destiny probably played better as a first person shooter than I think Division plays as a third person shooter. But um, yeah, I like it. I think it's I think it's very good. I think there's there's a great deal to like, as I said. Um, mm -hmm. I do disagree that the game is like stunningly beautiful. I don't I don't see it like that. Um, I think that the the design choices are, and and the art is pretty, but I don't I don't look at this game and I'm like, wow. Like a lot of people are looking at this game and being like, this is like really a great like technical marvel. And I'm like, I don't I don't agree at all. Like I, I think the character models are bizarre. I think that you know the the I think they're pretty. <laughs> they look good. I just think that it's like there's like some weirdness like there's this one like uh, Asian woman that you're with like in the beginning in the helicopter her voice syncing like lip syncing is all off like like animation's a little strange and I'm like well the the city's pretty yeah like the streets are pretty that the, the weather effects the dynamic weather effects are really pretty it was pretty cool to be caught in like a snowstorm basically as you're mm -hmm. like fighting and you can't see ahead of you and um, so yeah I think it's like many other things pros and cons yep. but I'm glad to play it and I, I think it's a lot of fun I just think that um, I don't know that this game's gonna have a huge tail. I'll be interested to see how people take to it. Mm -hmm. This is one of those games that makes me feel like I feel like a spoiled brat. Really, when I play a game like this, because you know, like yeah, it, it has its problems, but it's it's you know, it's it's really a quality game in terms of the mechanics, really cool, and the world's really well thought out, and the atmosphere's superb. And like you say, like moments like you're talking about, I haven't mm -hmm. got to that yet, but he, even just right at the beginning where you go down to your first tunnel and the smoke's kind of billowing and the red lights are flashing, sure. it's really atmospheric and you, you know, really moody. But it falls into that camp of so many Ubisoft games for me where it's just like there's great mechanics and there's great worlds and I feel like I should be loving this, but I couldn't give a shit sure. about anything I'm doing. And then I play a game like The Witcher, which is overbearingly 
micromanagement for me. Like I can't really have, I don't want all my thoughts to break all the time. You I have know. all these seashells. What will you do with them? I was just saying to my friend last night, who's it was his favorite game of last year. And I said, it was my favorite game of last year, but I didn't play it as much as most games. I just respected it more. Mm. Um, mm. But I really wanted an option in that game where I could go into the menu system and just say, no, I'm never going to do any of these things and press like <laughs> delete them from the menu system. So sure. like, I'm never, I don't need You worry to about them. this computer. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was just like, but yeah, but what Witcher did so well was those side stories they're no more mechanically complicated than any other video game you play. Oh, yeah. You go into a place, you look in three houses, you pick up some clues by tapping the button all the time, and then you fight something. But you you cared because they they integrated the story so well with the environment and they created, you know, real personality into things. Mm. And all of these games I'm kind of playing, I'm just like, I feel just really spoiled because 10 years ago I would have eaten this up and thought it was the best thing ever. And now it's like, no, I want more from this. Sure. Again. Mm. Yeah, I, think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting more, though. The game's been in development forever, and 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 you know, the, like we're so preliminary in the game that we don't we we've barely scratched the surface, but it's already clear a few hours in what it is and mm -hmm. what the cycle is going to be and what the loop is. So, yeah, like I, I that's why like you can kind of see you down the tunnel and be like, this isn't going to change at all. Um, and I agree with you. Like I, I thought Witcher Three was way too dense, and um, way, there was way too much stuff in that game. But they did pay. Like the the thing about that game is that that I did respect about it is that they. The side quests didn't feel the same. None of them did. Like there were actual stories, like to every side quest, and like there was a narrative-driven focus in the game that the division seems to lack. Like I went on a bounty hunt, and like they, I was chasing some woman, and and I she had lieutenants and stuff, and all. I'm like, I don't know, like why I'm even fighting this woman at all. I'm gonna kill her, but she did something to someone. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, but in 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 The Witcher, they would have really fleshed that out, and it might have been like three parts and stuff. Now, I'm not saying that I want that necessarily, because I think Witcher went in the other direction like way too much, but. Um, you know, yeah, I agree with you. It's like it's 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 a it's definitely a good. I definitely recommend it. Like I I I don't think you can, if you like shooters or online experiences. I'm gonna play it by myself. But if you like those online kind of experiences and obviously those loot driven experiences, then I don't see why the division wouldn't appeal to you. I just think that it's not, um, so far, uh, it hasn't excelled to like this excellent degree. You know, mm. not that I really expected it to. I thought I would like it, and I do. So that's good enough for me. Mm. Do you see yourself playing this for months? It's one of those maybe. Who knows? That my concern, of course, is how busy we are. I mean, by the time this is posting, it's GDC week, which means I don't play it all during GDC week, right? And so then I come back, and then it gets in. Then it's the normal question of it: Will it be Destiny again, where I came back from a weekend away or whatever, and everybody was already gone, and mm -hmm. I felt like I was already at such a detriment? You know what I mean? If I jump back in, and Fran and Scott and Brendan and anybody else I want to play with are, you know, their level. 30 already and I'm I'm going to be in the 20s maybe by then knock on wood I'm about to turn 10 tonight probably mm -hmm. and then I'm doing the stream for Twitch you know what I mean I don't know that's the question for me I think that I'd be more inclined to jump back in and go and do it and I think that there's enough people playing that if they stick around that it's not going to be hard for me to find people to do it but you want it to be fun it's going to be this yeah. challenge and experience rather than alright cool let's jump in even though but it's, it's a weird thing of like you know um Borderlands had, you know, girlfriend mode, right? That they got away from real quick. But basically, you're, you know, your buffer buddy system where everybody comes up to that level. Last night, I for forced Fran and Brennan to do this mission on hard. And we played through, and that was bringing people up to my level, right? But then it's one thing that I'm level nine, and I think Brennan was seven and Fran was six or whatever. And then other level nine guys started spawning to fight us, but they were like, the, they had like lots of armor and they were way tougher than they should have been. Right. And so then it was like, ah, we, we, we almost got it. And then we got destroyed at the end. Then Brendan fell through the world. And then it was like, ah, me and Fran, are gonna try, we were getting our heads kicked in. And so Fran went and recruited one of his friends to come in and help us. And he was level 17. And we're like, 
Now we're going to go in and clobber it. Awesome. And we got in there and we ran in and the guy goes, oh shit, they're 17 too. And on our screen, it was just the Red Skull over their names. Like, like, in, like So we they were one-shotting us or whatever. And it was just like, it's cool that that kind of balance, but I don't know how that works out then for, like I'm saying, if yeah. I come back and, you know, Fran is... 25 27 or whatever and i am 16 mm-hmm. is there a way to play with him or am i on my own until i get to that point mm. but those are questions you'll figure out as you go yeah we'll have to check back in in like a month or yeah. two and see i see think i have a better there. shot of playing more of this than i do destiny mm. or uh, than i did destiny i should say yeah. you know what i mean like this is the one where i'm knocking out trophies and i'm like hmm Platinum doesn't seem that unobtainable. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm on that where I, you know, I love, one night alone I got the 20 medic heal. I'm like, all right, that's not that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we'll see. What about you? The, yeah, with all the extra content that they keep. If the expansion stuff, it, yeah, yeah, keeps coming. It's like you know, I mean, yeah, I'll probably come back to it when and not to sound like an asshole, but when it's finished, mm-hmm. know, when all that content sure. that is really there, so I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do. And honestly, yeah, I mean, I prefer the older I get to play games on my own, but this does feel like one I'd enjoy more playing with my friends. And uh, there are a few games that I play co-op that aren't more fun. They're just way less immersive, which mm. is, means they're less interesting for me. Yeah. Um, but most of my friends are playing so many different things. I don't know if I'll be able to get people. Sure. On- and that's where we're lucky to have this group that's all video game yeah. people, not to mention all the best friends out there, my friends that would want to do it. But that's the other thing, too, of like... Uh, when I'm going out and playing with other people, whether it's Scott or somebody else, we're running through missions and we're talking to each other and we're, you know, coordinating what's happening, but there's no real story context to it of who we're hunting or why we're yeah. doing it, right? But then, have you done any of the Echoes? <laughs> no, I don't think so. When you I go, did one of those. Yeah, great. like those are the ones where it's like Batman, Detective Vision or whatever, where you go and it spawns up and you can go over and investigate. And that's when you get these like little stories of like, this guy was on the run from that guy. They were trying to, he broke away. He went into the subway. I went in the subway, all these like heavy spawn. I'm fighting them or whatever and get him out of his. That's a cool little thing. And I, I that for me is the solo experience, right? Like that and hunting down the cell phones and looking for that. Those are the ones I want to do by myself and mm. not have somebody in a group with. Mm. Yeah, I think that... Uh to the point, I think that the the to be fair to Ubi, like the the this game doesn't lend itself to narrative, so it's it's yeah. it is going to be environmental. It's not going to be literal um, in the way the story is being told. So that's not like a huge problem for me. I do prefer those kinds of experiences too. I've always have. I, I'm never going to play this game with another person. So it's it's you're going to play with me one day, maybe. But like it's it's like when I played it, I was pleasantly surprised that I was like, this is totally manageable by myself. And and. Uh, to your point, immersion is important. Like you want to have this I am legend kind of experience where you're like you're in the city by yourself or like you're surrounded by shit, but you don't really know what's going on. You're a man alone. And and I liked that. Like yeah. that that definitely is probably the coolest part of the game. It's like I'm just slinking around. Yeah. No idea what the fuck's going on around me. I have no idea who any of these people are, uh, who I can trust and who I can't trust. I think that that's that. So I think it's going to be the way you similar maybe to Destiny, the way you tell your own story. Mm-hmm. This certainly mm-hmm. grabs me more than Destiny. I found Destiny to be very vanilla and um way more about even though the mechanics are great and I, I would never dispute that way more about the MMO loop than this game is um, so or this game seems to be maybe five ten hours in it totally changes but I, I really doubt it well it'll um, be end game where it'll be the real test yeah. to see what it all because that was the same mm-hmm. with DC right you could play DC all by yourself until you wanted to you got to level 30 and Destiny 2 with the raids right so so I, I'm, I'm intrigued I, I do think that they they did a nice job the, the bigger systemic question about the division is like how this peels away from this this ever growing pie of games that require your uh, complete attention for long periods of time and this game cannibalizes another ubi game which is another fucking tom clancy game um which is siege so it's 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 uh which just came out in december so it's funny how these games are kind of stacking up on each other like uh jose otero tweeted out a picture of a destiny lobby as we were talking about on colin and greg live that was empty the day the division came out and i was like huh 
Like I never really thought about that. Like this this game won't have maybe permanent <laughs> effects on Destiny, but it has permanent effect on Destiny right now, and it's going to take players away from Destiny permanently in some respect later. Um, so like, how does this ecosystem exist? And like, can games like this continue to come out? And still thrive because mm. I do think we're going to get to a tipping point with these kinds of games. Where what happened with Evolve, uh, for instance, like Evolve, like died, like it just is withered on the vine and it's dead. Mm. You know, um, maybe some people, you know, maybe played by a few hundred, a few thousand people at a time now. But I mean, that game was that game. No one cares about that game, and that's an example of of a, like a, a game that is totally multiplayer centric. That was years were put in by a very talented studio, sure. and it just didn't take off. And so for every division and every destiny, there are going to be other ones that fall to the wayside. And so more systemically, it's going to be interesting to see how these games. I bet do they dovetail the each other more, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Destiny gets it's lunch eaten right now by Division, but when Destiny, whatever the next, you know, Taken King or Destiny Two comes out, Division will go down because we'll mm-hmm. beast that content when Division does this. But to your point of like how many of those can be in in the equation, right? Yeah. These giant multiplayer games need to be focused. Yeah, it's on. just like how big can these games get? Like last year, when it's come to the end of the year, and we were doing discussion about you know what well, what the best games of the year is like. This should have been my favorite year of gaming in history because mm-hmm. of what I like a big open world I like immersive environments I like things where I can take it at my own pace and explore and last year was the year for that like every yeah. video game decided to adopt that but to a detriment where it's like I don't have I mean I, granted maybe if I was a teenager or something or in university then I would have the time but I don't have the time for all of these games yeah. it really is like I have to pick one and I have to focus on that mm. one and then you just get more and more picky you know yeah yeah, yeah you're absolutely right with the Witcher was special I played Witcher for 60 or 70 hours and I felt like I didn't do anything like to, that, to the point where I'm like, I can't fucking play this anymore. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know like what I'm even doing in this game anymore. There's yeah. a, how many question marks can possibly be on a map? And how do they just keep coming back over and over again? And it gets worse and worse. And it's just, I spiraled out of control with that game. By the time Fallout came out, I was just like, I just, I can't, I played Fallout for like 25 hours. And I'm like, I can't play this. You know, like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I just, I look forward to this game so much. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I'm, I'm just like, I can't, I just can't. Then, then a game like the new order comes out, like the Wolfenstein DLC, which is a single player, five, six, seven hours fucking amazing game and i'm like this is great yep because i can just see it and be done yeah <laughs> it's actually a really good segue for topic two you brought this up in a in a text with greg but i want to talk about what we demand from video games so year after year like things video games just kind of evolve and get bigger and bigger and bigger and what is it that we we kind of demand to to come from these games you're asking me yeah <laughs> yeah it's your um, question it's my- <laughs> <laughs> um so it's just, I mean, I think actually, yeah, I emailed you guys about this about like six years ago and beyond or something. Cause I was just, we I trashed was, it. You like, did. Yeah, I think you actually called me out on the show. It's like, stop writing such long fucking emails and just keep making movies. Yeah. Shut <laughs> up. Um, I just, I always like, I, I think I like versatility and I like um, variety in any media of entertainment. And, you know, I think games are only getting healthier and healthier as they move along. But I've been, I was used to be frustrated my entire life because games were medium where they tried to copy movies for so long and they tried to copy TV for so long and they tried to, you know, sometimes even copy novels. And they have attributes that nothing, none of those have, you know, like music and films and books and games all can do something better than any of those other mediums can do in telling a story and connecting people and experiences and communicating with people. And I always wanted games to, uh, at least have a pocket where they could just drop you into people's experiences. You know, it wasn't really about the end game. It wasn't about anything too dramatic. It was just about an experience you could share and you could let someone else, you know, either walk in your shoes or have your options and then kind of say, well, what would you do? You know, like, how would you tackle this situation? Um, Emily is away. was like one of those ones Mm -hmm. from last year for me, like really simple, not necessarily graphically how I was always thinking, but just something where it's really simple, really small, but you're a, in that you know, yeah totally in that moment and yeah. you can connect talk with about so that. many aspects of that um and i always want the games to get to that point and i feel they're pushing more and more 
towards that now. You know, you get things like Firewatch and you get things like Gone Home. And sure, there's still a large level of, for want of a better word, gaminess and, you know, over-dramatization to them. Um, but um, it, it just, I'm finding everything's just so oversaturated at the moment. And I'm old now. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's like, well, I'm drawn then to like Firewatch I had huge problems with. But I was drawn to that because it's a small pocketed experience. Exactly. And it's something like you, you were saying, Colin, like you can get through that experience and you can see most of the things that are rather see and really appreciate um, that game. But uh, I don't lose my train of thought now. <laughs> no, you're. T- I mean, I think you're right there because you were talking about it even in the last topic, right? Of you're getting older. So yeah. what you want out of a game, what you demand from a game changes. Yeah. Whereas exactly. you're with the division, you're like, I, w- I should love this. Well, yeah, no, exactly. And I still want those big open world games and I still want immersion, um, but I want more personality. And I just ex- I just expect more from a video game now. Like it's it's when I part of my problem with Firewatch is honestly it's some of the writing and it's the opening which everybody loves. I actually think it's garbage. You sound I, I love the setup for it. I love the setup. I love what the story is and I love how you, they drop you into that character. I think it's fascinating and real and grounded. But the way they deliver it, I'm sitting there with my girlfriend and I'm like, this is Firewatch. This is going to be a big fucking deal. I'm really excited. We start playing it and she plays video games. You know, she plays she, Far Cry eats up her life. She'll play mm-hmm. it every <laughs> single night. Um, and it starts you know, up and the, the words come up on screen and I'm cringing a little bit. And maybe if I was playing on my own, I'd be fine. But with, you know, what's happening, like the dialogue, I was cringing. And it's like, this is unacceptable. Like, I shouldn't be cringing at video game dialogue anymore. Like, I just shouldn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it, there's a level of writing which is, there's just no reason why it couldn't be written as well as a novel. There's absolutely So no your reason. complaint wasn't that it was it was opening with text-based stuff. It was that you didn't like the writing of it? It felt unfinished, the beginning to me, okay. which um, from some interviews I then heard seemed valid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, it, yeah, honestly, like I could I could live with that if it was superbly well-written. Gotcha, know? gotcha. Um, and I just find the older I get and the more that games start to nudge towards, yeah, we can do these other things that are more interesting. It's not just about a little game loop and it's not just about, you know, mechanic. I feel that I have less and less excuses that I make for video games anymore. You know? Sure. Because as we should do, I judge them along with every other medium of, mm-hmm. of communication and entertainment. And um, it makes it harder for me to find satisfaction. I, I look at, I've got a list in my pocket of two pages of all the video games coming out this year. And there are some phenomenal like sounding games that used to, would have used to do it for me completely. I would have been really excited. And now I'm just, I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it is this year that I'm really, really <laughs> fucking, I mean, Uncharted 4 is probably the only one because I know exactly what I'm going to get. And yeah. I know that's reliable. Mm-hmm. But everything else is like No Man's Sky. It's going to disappoint me in some way, you know? Like, um, and all these different video games, it's like, there's going to be, I just hold them to higher standards now mm-hmm. um, and my time is more valuable. So between those two things of the medium, I think growing up and kind of showing, yeah, we can do real things, real, you know, meaty things that matter and, and affect people. Um, and me having less and less time, it's kind of, I demand a lot more. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Right. And it's, I think it, we, we, as being the generation that was coming of age as video games came of age. Right. And we, we got to live through these technological leaps and all this stuff. I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that like you're talking about this list in your pocket of these dozens and dozens of awesome games or games you'd like to play this year. It's easy to lose sight of the fact there was a time when you could play everything that was worth playing. I still feel like when I started at IGN, I was talking about it that first summer with the Wii where I played super Mario paper RPG or whatever the hell it was called on the Wii. Right. And I was like, this is great. This was really fun. And it was because there was a huge dead period where I had, and there was nothing else happening. And like, I'm not saying there aren't dozens of games coming out, but there was like, 
to be part of the conversation and talk about everything that people were going to talk about, you could play it and be done with it. Yeah. And now it is that thing where you there's so many games out there. You put them in, and even if they are AAA and you're reviewing well, you put it in and it doesn't tickle your fancy. It doesn't speak to you. You stop, right? Because you only have I only have this many I'm yeah. like division. I only have this many evenings to play this game and be relevant with it while it's in the zeitgeist, right? So if I put it in and don't like it, then no, I'm gonna move on to the other game I need to play or the other game I need to play or the game I want to play, I should mm-hmm. say. But that's the thing, there's more and more games and there are more and more increasingly exhaustive quality. Like the effort and time and money and talent that goes into these things is extraordinary. And yeah, I'm less and less impressed for some reason. Every mm-hmm. just- yeah, I think it's the the investment of the games nowadays. I don't think that it's necessarily that there's more out there that are part of the conversation. Because like you think back to the the PS2, GameCube, Xbox era, like to me, and again, I was in, that was when I was in middle school, high school. So it's like that was the perfect time for me to be able to play everything, um, just because on a time, you know, perspective. Yeah. But like I remember looking at EGM and seeing all the games that were announced at E3 that were going to be coming out in November and being like damn, how am I going to have enough money to play all these? Right. You know, like, how am I going to get access? Talking to all my friends about, okay, you buy these three, you buy these three, you buy these three, and we'll trade and whatever. And I played through all of them, and it's like you could beat those games. Like, they, there was even, like, for the, the RPGs and stuff, like, you know, there'd be a Final Fantasy in there or something, but it's like you, that was the big one, you know, and everything else is like, all right, I can beat Need for Speed Underground, you know, or I could beat... Uh, Metroid Prime or whatever it was like there was these experiences you're like all right I can do this but nowadays it's like all right between the Witcher and Division and like all the games we even were just talking about it's like you can't just beat those games right you know you can't just get into them and even put 15 hours and be like all right I did what I need to do it's like you need to put a lot of time and it's not even just to even get to the gameplay nowadays like people bitch about tutorials and stuff but just from the the character creation standpoint all the extra stuff that you were talking about of like the whether it's actually affecting stats or if it's just cosmetic things you still have to do all that shit you know you turn on the game and you have to connect online you have to do all that stuff and it's like the little things add up and it's like it's easy to bitch about consoles having firmware updates and all that but the games then have updates. And then even in, when you get into the game, it's like, well, here's all these new things that have been added. And you have to like figure out what you're even trying to do. Like sometimes with games, it's hard to, to even know what the, the game is. How do you beat this game? Sure. You know, or is it just something you just play? And An experience. And I think that but that's what games are more more so now than they've ever been. It's 100%. Like you don't beat games. You just kind of play them until you're done they playing beat you. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I just think, play them until you're done. I, I, think, I think that, that, I mean, I agree with you in a sense. Like that's actually, I mean, I'm being facetious, but it's true. It's like the, some of these games beat me. Or I'm like, fuck this. You know, like I can't, like, I don't even dislike this. I just, you know, I just can't I play this anymore. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I remember during the PS1 era specifically when I was in middle school and, and high school, it's like seventh, eighth grade, ninth, 10th grade. Because uh, PS2 came out in 11th grade, where I played a lot of Japanese role playing games, and I had a ton of them. I used to buy like so many games, and one of the qualities I looked at was length. Like I, I, I would read PSM or, or go online and read IGN or whatever, and and be like, yeah, that's great. The game, the comment, like how long is Legend of Lagaya? How long is Xeno Gears? Like I, I, for some reason, I was obsessed with this like this notion that length meant qua- met quality at some point and it's mm-hmm. not true um xeno gears for instance is an incomplete game the game's rush it's 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 it changes towards the end and, and, and ends very abruptly like the that was too long for them to even make you know and and uh so i look at these games now and i'm like i understand that perspective but i do think it's overwhelming uh gaming culture where it's like well how big is it you know and like the value is is garnered from how big the game is gone home is $20 or whatever, but Gone Home's experience is worth $60, in my opinion. Like, that game is an hour and a half long, and you can never play it again, but it's way more resonant than almost anything I've played in the last few years. 
And so that kind of thing is in the eye of the beholder where I'm like, well, we look at these experiences. I'm not saying we should pay $60 for Gone Home. What I'm saying is that, you know, why do we look at this and be like, well, is it is it big? Is It's not worth $60 because it's not 50 hours long. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, who gives a shit? You know, like, like I, I'm like, is it fun? Is it, an, is it an experience that's memorable? Are you are you enjoying yourself? Does it give you something? Do you walk away? The same thing with Three Fourths Home, which was another game I really loved. I'm like, this game is extraordinarily good. Journey is another great game. It gave me me cry, like weep like a baby. You know, we paid $15 for it or whatever. So it's, I think that we have this like this kind of warped perception, although I can accept it and understand it because I had that warped perception too when I was a kid of being like, well, if the game's not media, I don't want to play it. You know, and if the game's not, if the game's not substantive, I don't want to play it. But I'm like, well, now I'm like, these games, to your point, are like, are, are, are getting too big. These games are getting, and there's a place for those games. And I know it's not popular, but like when I turn on the division and I have to do this character creation shit, I'm like, why don't you just tell me the character? This is your game. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't like I don't need to like customize to the minutiae of like every single thing. Like let me play the game. I don't even care yep, what the yep, fuck. And my whole thing was like I was like, man, this is not deep. Man, I wish this deep <laughs> character creation was better than They're this. All just me. It's not deep. I was I was I was so happy when I didn't see any sliders. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. thank Christ. You know, I. I, so I think I, I think the argument here is going hand in hand, right? And the fact that I think it's just getting older means we have less free time which means we want different experiences or the experience we exactly want but i think it's also the game because the games industry you know has increasingly become you know the indian and the AAA, and i feel that makes it gradually employed because the comp- like the competition between developers to make things bigger and to make things more optional and to make things more online and to make things you know it's all, all incomprehensible sure, sure, sure. is too much it's like it's too much and at some point and i feel sorry like i've played some like division i buy all these fucking games and i spend two hours playing them and then i'm out and I genuinely feel sorry. I would feel like I want to write a letter to the developers because I'm like, you guys work so hard on this game. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I'm aware of how hard this was and it's too much for me and I'm not going to play it because that one little thing you did that doesn't quite echo with, you know, the stuff that sure. I really want. Right. It's, it's, it's a matter of, I mean, we talked about this on PS I Love You, I think, where it was Uncharted 4 having choices. Now, I know that they're not material choices. I'm like, why mm. are there choices in an Uncharted game? You have got to be kidding me. You know, like when I saw that, I walked away from the, the with a PSX. I didn't want to see anything, but I'm like, you have got to be kidding me now. Like the like, I understand that the wagging the dog with other industries where it's like, well, you know, uh, these guys make this great choice in this game, so everyone wants to copy that. I'm like, Naughty Dog is now looking at what other people are doing and trying to copy that. Yeah. Naughty Dog, you know, I was like, um, so I was, I was like, oh my god, like there's too much bleed over between these games, like. Choose your identity. Not everything has to be the same. There's no reason to have choices, material or otherwise, in an Uncharted game, period. End of story. That's not what Uncharted is. And I understand it's a very aesthetic kind of thing where he might say something different or have a different... But I'm like, this is so weird. Like That was the first thing I thought where I was like, to your point, where I'm like, this isn't Mass Effect. Mm. Mass Effect is Mass Effect. Uncharted is Uncharted. And um, so I think that, like, to your point, with the open world fatigue that we're seeing with, you know, some great games. Like, I really like Mad Max, for instance. Um, I thought that world was alive in its death and, and direness. Like, I thought it was a really interesting world. But it's like, these are all hitting at the same time. Just Cause 3, Far Cry Primal, and Far Cry 4. Like, all these games, these open world games that were looking at games years ago as they were in pre-production and being like, we're all going to do this. And then they all hit at the same time. And, uh, you know, but to, to the, you know, to the other side of it is that I'm a baby with this shit. And I think we all are where it's like, I don't even know what I want. I sit here and say that I don't want, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm like, I don't want the same thing over and over again. But annualize Final Fantasy Tactics, annualize Castlevania, and annualize Mega Man. And otherwise, like, annualize everything sure. I love. <laughs> otherwise, do different things. So clearly, like, I'm a hypocrite in that in that way as well, as we all are, where we identify the things that we like and then we don't want, we want new things and we want them to tell us what to do. 
But isn't it about what we're talking about here, similar to what we have right here with the audience and YouTube and Patreon and the best friends and all that stuff, right? Like, you you jump into these games and you play for two hours, like, not for me, right? And then you bounce out. Mm. But there's a hardcore audience in there that will continue to play. Yeah, plus, right? plus they already have my money. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, there's that for yeah, sure, but then microtransactions, though. Yeah. And you know what I mean? If you play The Division for two hours, but you paid full price for it, you're yeah. actually cheap for them. They don't want you to play the game because you're not. Uh, there's no server load for you. No, so, like, you're actually... You know, so, yeah, that's a great point. Like, the more you play Destiny, on the $60 game disc, yep. the less valuable you are unless you actually spend more money. But I mean, then they become the, what were I talking about with the mobile games, right? Though the white whales though, or mm-hmm. the people who just, you know, DC Universe Online, of course, you know, doesn't have the biggest in, install base, but they still have subs and they still have, I'm talking last night, like as soon as they open the store and there's the, yeah, let me see the scarves. Oh, that's a cool scarf. I'll buy this. You know what I mean? I'm going to buy stuff for my character to wear and stuff just because I want, to, I like that. I like that. And that's my choice, right? To use the microtransactions that way and do it. Not pay to win. I don't want to buy some fucking awesome gun that's going to go through and do yeah, everything. But you want your red scarf. But yeah, it'd be in there <laughs> yeah. and explore and do it. And I think that's the point of why it can succeed in the fact of like, there's this part of us too and part uh, definitely for our audience, right? Of like, oh, I played that for two hours and moved on. Da, 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 da. That's not, that's the echo chamber. That's the vocal minority, I bet. But then there's plenty of people who like, and I'm a good example of this, like what you're talking about being a baby, right? I hate online games. I don't play online games. Never play online games. We, you know, we've done one Twitch session since we started this 15 months ago where I played Metal Gear with people, right? And that, I didn't even like that. It was just like, well, it's Metal Gear. I'll play it with people. Division I'm totally in on because even though it is Destiny again or whatever multiplayer shooter game, it's for me, it all lined up in the right way where I'm I'm in this audience. I like this game and I want to play this. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks at the end of the day. If other people enjoy playing these games, great. You yeah. know, and other people pay for them and that'll tell them what they need to make and they'll keep making whatever it is. I think my problem is really just, it's more just a commodity thing of, I don't like the message that gives players kind of thing. Because players just then just tend to expect like, well, we want fucking everything. Everything I could possibly want has to be in this video game. And I just don't like... I, I kind of, you know, I appreciate the business model of it all, but I, I like the creative minds behind stuff, just having the balls to go, no, this is what we want to give you, and this is what's sure. important to us, and we don't have to fill in every single I think it, we're talking about it running in cycles, right? And the, op- the open world thing being something you saw. I think you've seen, for a while we saw it with every fucking game, there was a multiplayer component. Yeah. Tomb Raider being the worst defender of like, what the Bioshock fuck is two. this? Bioshock 2. Mm. And then you saw them stop, right? Yeah. Like, you, we saw that cycle die out because they saw the... Reaction, <laughs> but the problem whoa. is that whoa, shouldn't have smoked all that crack cocaine before I came in here. Uh, the problem is that you have to wait for that cycle to play out. You have to wait for that reaction. Yeah. So I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't. I think yeah. Are we gonna, like? I always joke around about it, right? With like Paragon and Overwatch and Battleborn and all these things that are happening right now. Like as soon as that. Like, I'm sure they're reading the tea leaves on that, and they're like, oh, yeah. God. It's like, oh, oh my God. God. I feel bad for Gearbox and Battleborn, especially that game's doomed. The It has been forever. The But the, uh, yeah, I think that, it, just going back to it, it's like, just make your game. And it, it doesn't have to be choice-based, and doesn't have to have customization. Like, when, you know, playing a Wolfenstein game, you're BJ Blazkowicz, and that's great. And, like, you're a big meathead, and, you know, I don't need a slider to, like, make my muscles bigger. And I don't need like some customizable outfits to put on. I'm like, he's the character and that's who you play as. And that's okay. You know, and, and but you I, so see I, that. As I, yeah, you do. But you don't see it very much. Like what's when's the last like you see like Metro Wolfenstein and now like, well, yeah, I, I'm a choice. Developers make choices like that. My, sure. See, my, my, my problem with your Uncharted argument is that you're saying 
Look, they're they're bringing Mass Effect. Cho- they're doing. They saw a Mass Effect did, or you know, no, which, insert not, X which true last Mass, Mass Effect, but sure. Mass Effect style choices. Sure, yeah. or I, Telltale. I, I I mean, being is the fact that I think both of us over the years have been or me especially in my story of The Last of Us, getting to the end and there not being a choice, and then being like, "Fuck you, this is our story," and that's what it is. That's what I assume is happening with Uncharted, where I assume it was, "Fuck you, we want you to remember." Like I've always talked about it, right? I think they're going to be four ch- four choices in this game and it's strictly going to be you ch- choosing what Nathan says about his previous adventures or how he talks to somebody about something because they want you to have that remembrance of like alright like we've had great we've had three great games together now we're ending Four. I want to remember those moments but no he's not going to talk about Golden <laughs> Abyss but no hey, Elena, I, I, remember when I fucked Miranda Chase <laughs> but but I, I Marissa Chase? I, I, I guess that's true but in a, in a sense it's like that's not what Uncharted is like they, Uncharted can be whatever they want it to be it's their exactly. game but it's not Uncharted. Like, like I during cutscenes in Uncharted, you should be able to put the controller down and watch it. There are no quick time events. There are no, you know, like things of this nature. Like that's that's God of War. That's Mass Effect or whatever, mm-hmm. where you have to like worry about that kind of stuff. I just, it seems strangely reactionary for a Naughty Dog game. Chase. And and I, I I just think that it's it's totally extraneous and clearly something that doesn't necessarily need to be in the game. And no one would have known it wasn't there. Yeah, that's my problem with that. Either way they go with that doesn't satisfy me as an Uncharted fan. You know, if it's that they're just a couple, you know, like you're saying, maybe just four choices throughout the game, and they affect like little things. That's not what I. That's not what I want from an Uncharted game because then I'm I'm missing out on stuff, you know. And I want the the story that they really want to tell me. And if it's not like that, and it's just tons of little things that are contextual, and don't really matter, and you're just kind of picking words, then I said, well, this is really pointless. You know, I'm sure Nathan Drake knows what he wants to say. Do I really have to say it? Like, <laughs> it's so either way with that road for me, it's like that doesn't satisfy me at all. I understand. Um, which. Yeah, it's worrying. It'll be interesting to see. You know what I mean? Like, I think the knee-jerk action right now is, yeah, that's not Uncharted. That's not what we want. But hmm. these are the guys who make Uncharted and Galson yeah, make yeah, Uncharted. Yeah. So let's see no, absolutely. That's what, what it's going to be in the end. I just said I want creative people to have more power. So this is genuinely <laughs> something that they we're feel all the, babies. the right thing. Well, that's the conundrum, right? Like, that's what I, that's what I'm trying to say is, like, we say these things, but we, we still don't really know what we want. If I sat in a focus group and told them what I wanted out of Uncharted, I'm like, I don't even really know. Like, yeah. Whatever you want, They're like well, we're giving you what we want to give you, and I'm like, well, that's not really uncharted. And like, well, we, like, <laughs> you know, like so, yeah. yeah, you get into people's intentions, so that's the right. problem. It's kind of like, well, what is their intention? Is it contrived? Is it that they've looked at demographics and charts and stuff, or is it literally that they thought, you know what, this is our last thing, and this is something we always want to try out? Like, we think it's important to like empower mm. the player a little bit more in the emotional story. Like, you don't know what the intentions are. Sure, but it it reminds me of I always talk about Dead Space, where it was like the. I played uh, the original Dead Space, which I think is one of the great games of the last generation. I think that game's fucking awesome. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal, maybe maybe the greatest, maybe the greatest survival horror game there is. Like, it really, when it comes right down to it. Like, when it really, when you think about it, and I'm not talking about, like, Resident Evil 4 is awesome and all that kind of stuff, but mechanically and atmospherically, the backtracking, the Ishimura is, like, an awesome place to set. You know, space is weird, and you're, you're backtracking through the ship, and, like, weird new things are there. And then you play Dead Space 2... And, and in my opinion, better. and in my opinion, I'm like, there's this isn't no. this isn't this is this is a focus tested game. This is a game that changed for no reason, mm-hmm. and and I didn't even finish it because I was like, I just I don't like. Uh. Yeah. There's something not right about this because you already lost the essence of it. It's the same thing with Bioshock to Bioshock Infinite in my mind, where where I wouldn't finish Bioshock Infinite either because I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah, you know, like like what happened to this like to Bioshock? Yeah. And and I and so. It, it is about our own expectations. It's also about having discerning or not discerning taste, which I think is totally 
a subjective thing. I, I don't I don't think that like I have more discerning taste or less discerning taste than someone else playing games. It is just about taste generally. But I do I do agree with you that the middle ground being gone in, in between AAA and indie means that there it, it, there is like a gravity in the middle that's going to suck it all together for better or for worse and make it implode on itself because not I'm not t- talking in terms of economically but I'm talking ter- I'm talking in terms of fusion of ideas and I think there's going to be a lot more of sameness until we do something about it. Um and we might see a reaction to that this year on the market in terms of like a lot of MMOs coming out. There's only so much room for them. There's a lot of uh, these kind of uh, story-based games that are coming out. There's only so much room for those, et cetera, et cetera. I just want, um, you know, I, I agree with you that I just want some different experiences and things that aren't reacting to the zeitgeist, but like creating the new zeitgeist. And otherwise, we, we kind of get stuck in the cycle. Yeah. Um, that make games less interesting. And I don't necessarily think games are better. I, I still think games, people say games are better than ever. I, I don't agree. Like, I, 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 I think they're great. We're in a great place. But I think games 10 years ago were probably way more interesting. And I think games 20 years ago were way more interesting. So mm-hmm. it's it's because it was about different things, um, not about shoving everything you possibly can into this one into this one package. Well, then that's the thing. It could affect like yeah, triple A like that, and but then it's it affects indie as well. And I think we're finally starting to see like we were just talking about Unravel before this, you know. And mm-hmm. that's a game where completely I, I'm playing it, and again I don't know their intentions. Maybe it's sincere, and they just didn't nail it for me personally, or you know most of the community that I play with. But that's a game where it looks fucking gorgeous. Like yeah. it, you know, for trailers, it seems like this is going to be really you know interesting indie game with hopefully something to say. And then you play it, and it feels contrived and mm-hmm. quite empty and kind of soulless and. I feel that starting to creep into indie as well, where it's like, well, let's put a load of money into this, but we're really played to the fact that it's indie and there's something in there and, you know, we're trying to say something, but then the thing we're saying, we don't really mean because it's not really come from that place. And, and that, that's, that for me is the gradual evolution of it. It's, yeah, you've got the problem we're talking about with the AAA like that, but then indie's becoming more, well, we've got to get, you know, all the feelings into this thing. And it's not yeah. really there to begin with. Yeah, that's the whole thing where everyone thinks about indie and they think about Gone Home or Firewatch, something like that. I'm like, well, indie's nail gameplay too indies indies nail there's way more new ideas in the indie space yeah 100 yeah. um for sure because it's just it's not uh it's safer for them to be different um i think a lot of it has to do with publishers over promising uh i also think it has developers being under way too much stress to just shove things in other games i don't i don't knowing so many developers i don't i and knowing how they work and stuff i just don't believe that that some of these ideas for games just don't come from the publishers that, you know, it's like, we'll put a multiplayer component in the game and like, why isn't there choice in the game and have a bunch of sliders and something. They're probably like, well, it's not really what we want to do, but we, we, they are the boss and we have to do those kinds of things as well. And, and I also think that, um, uh, media and, you know, like everything, YouTube, Twitch, like everything just hypes everything up and like everyone's responsible for it and including us um, unintentionally. I don't think anyone's intentionally doing it. I don't think anyone's intentionally being like, yeah, fucking sliders. the division's going to be the best. I want but all the sliders. So sliders. I'm not saying no, that. add I'm, the I'm, bus sliders. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, well, look how hyped Firewatch was. Firewatch wasn't very good. Yeah. Like period. I like and, Firewatch and like, and like, like in my mind, like in more, talking more and more, more and more people, are, like there seems to be a lot of disappointment about that game, and I'm like, we are responsible for that. Yeah. We saw this game, and we thought it was going to be awesome. These guys have never made anything in terms of like their own studio, and they're good, good guys. They were on our show, and they were very gracious, and they were very kind, and they took their feedback. We we gave them whatever, but like we are responsible for that. They didn't go around <laughs> saying like this is going to be the best thing you've ever played. We did. So like like there there has to be some sort of responsibility put on us as gamers, us as pundits, us as a community as well to be like we hype everything up. And then we like wonder why doesn't this meet our expectations? Like it's your fucking fault. It's my fault. You know. So there's something to be said about that too. I think to be fair. You know. So it's 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 complicated. So mm-hmm. dial back your alienation. Expectations. Oh well, we know alienation's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Third topic of the day. 
This one comes from one of the beautiful users over on the Kind of Funny forums at kindoffunny.com slash forums. What's going on there, Greg? He tossed out his little thing and hit my iPad, so now oh, I'm hitting my iPad. Shit's going down. <laughs> Glorious G123 says, greetings, Kind of Funny. This is Power from the Show Me State here. Power. Shout out to my boy, Greg Miller. Missouri is the Show Me State. Mm-hmm. They have this mm-hmm. awesome restaurant called Show Me's, and it's a complete ripoff of Hooters. Good. And it's just, I like it's that just, name. It's That's gr- good. Exactly. Their color scheme is this ugly ass blue and this uh, hot pink. Ooh, I'm into that. Yeah. That sounds like a Nick Scarpino special. He, and next time we go to Missouri, we're going to Show Me's. Not to eat the food, just to take a photo and get the hell out of there. Okay. <laughs> I'm into that. You down, Nick? Yeah, I'm not sure my name. Cool. We're going to go to a really bad restaurant called Show Me's. Okay. Recently, head of Xbox Phil Spencer announced a merger between its PC and Xbox platforms. In doing so, Microsoft is increasing the lifespan of the current gen of this hardware by adding a moddable alternative interface other than a newer console down the road. Just want to know your thoughts and if this is a good move by Microsoft as a whole. Now, Greg. Yeah. You also brought this up. I did. I thought you, I you, thought you were skipping me for the users. Oh, I didn't yeah, hear no, no, no. I just that was the launch pad. You got the facts. There's updates to this story. There's a whole bunch of stuff. We'll start at Polygon. Yes. Where our good friend, Colin Campbell, Oi, Governor. wrote about everything that happened. The headline was Phil Spencer signals Xbox One hardware upgrades. During his Xbox Spring Showcase event keynote last week, Microsoft's head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, talked about the future of hardware innovation for the console, similar to the ways PCs evolved. In a speech to reporters, he said that Xbox One could see a future in which it is upgraded rather than replaced by new consoles. Spencer was talking about how Microsoft has sought to align its Windows 10 and Xbox One development activities under under the internal Universal Windows platform while offering backwards compatibility for many Xbox 360 games. Now playable on Xbox One. He was addressed. He was addressing the concerns of some Xbox One owners uh, that exclusives destined for the console are appearing on PC, thus eroding the value of owning a console. You'll actually see us come out with new generation hardware capable of capable capability during a generation. This was the pull quote they put there. Uh, but he went much further than merely outlining internal strategies for cross-platform efficiency. He argued that consoles could and should be upgradable, like PCs, and that the model of generation shifts may be coming to an end. Quote, we see other platforms, whether it be mobile or PC, that you get a continuous innovation that you rarely see on console. Consoles lock the hardware and the software platforms together at the beginning of the generation. Then you ride the generation out for seven or so years while the ecosystems are getting better, faster, stronger. And then you wait for the next big step function. When you look at the console space, I believe we will see more hardware innovation in the console space than we've ever seen. You'll actually see us come out with new hardware capability during a generation, allowing the same games to run backward and forward compatible because we have a universal Windows application running on top of the universal Windows platform that allows us to focus more and more on hardware innovation without invalidating the games that run on that platform. A lot of words there. Mm-hmm. This is where the comment starts from. Blah, 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 blah. The update came via Major Nelson's podcast over there. I'm reading a report from Gary Jones over at Express. Express.co.uk. Boy, governor. He says, Having raised the possibility of console hardware upgrading becoming available in the future, Spencer now insists that Microsoft are, is, come on, man, looking more at taking advantage of innovations to technology when they arrive later in the device's life cycle. This is the quote from the podcast. Am I going to break open my console and start upgrading the individual pieces of my console? That's not our plan, he said on the Major Nelson podcast. There is something special about what happens with a console. You buy an appliance-like device, you plug it into your TV, it works when you plug it in. It's not like I'm going to ship a screwdriver with, set with every console that comes out. 
What I'm saying is as hardware innovations happen, we want to be able to embrace those in the console space and make those available and maybe not have to wait seven or eight years for things to happen. But right now, we're not announcing hardware. So that's the part to that and this huge confusion. Boom. Is it just going to be PC games on this universal platform and everything? So what do do you guys think? Like, is this? I don't know how to do it without a screwdriver. I mean, I, well, I think like, it's, it's. Is he saying that there? He's talking. He's saying there's not going to be new. They're not announcing new hardware. But what is? So is it going to be that there's an add-on for my Xbox One out there, or there'll be a new Xbox One point five or one point five? I need to get. I mean, I think either way it could work. It could either be because he's talking about you want to get that thing, you buy it once, and it just works. So mm-hmm. it could be an Xbox One point five, or just you know the slim version or whatever that yeah. has slightly different things. Sure. Um, or it could be something like the Xbox 360's HD DVD drive that's sure. more of like a peripheral that you attach to it that gives it different uh, functionality. I mean, we've seen that stuff for years. Right. You know, the but not on, not on this. Yeah, expansion pack. On the sure. 64 and then we saw like with the, during the Genesis era of Sega, like they just kept adding on top and of And that's that the thing about it though with like specifically with the N64 expansion pack, right, is that that was designed and Sega Saturn's expansion pack too, that yeah. that was designed from the ground up to be that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Xbox One theoretically wasn't. It was going to be this entertainment machine and this that and the other i mean that's i don't know that's i don't necessarily agree with that because the you say that because n64 had the spot for it right the xbox one has a usb port like it's it's pretty much it's the same thing like the way things work now especially with the windows platform that they're talking about like that's i don't think that uh they they planned it with that not in mind Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's one of those things that the options are definitely there and like with i mean you already kind of do it with expandable with external hard drives and stuff you know where you could open it up and put other hard drives in there, or you can just attach an external drive and that gives new functionality and like you can install games and all that stuff. So I'm more interested in seeing like what they actually mean by this. I'm fascinated by the idea. That's, you know, top of the line. I just right now as dumb Greg Miller, who doesn't understand Mm -hmm. business or hardware, can't wrap my head around it in the way of, yeah, like, there's a big difference between plugging in uh, a hard drive again to a hard or a hard drive to a slot that's you know made to be expandable like PS4 or whatever versus plugging in a USB one or put those together versus whatever the hell this would be you know mm-hmm. what I mean because you're talking about processing power and this that and the other and the analog I guess is PlayStation VR but that box is already debated hotly of what exactly it does and where it's going to take anything yeah and so that's the thing with. For me, I just I think it would have to be that it would be the Xbox 1.5 or whatever that you put out that has more ability. But even that, how how do you do that and not screw over Xbox One owners like me? So there's another question from the forums that kind of leads into this from Seinfeld Fan 24. Super Nintendo games are now available in the eShop on the 3DS. Sort of. Need to vent. So I own a Nintendo 3DS XL and like and I like it quite a bit. I don't play it often because I don't travel, but I like it nonetheless. I was very excited to see that Super Mario World and Super Metroid were coming to Virtual Console on the 3DS. I went to the eShop and lo and behold, quickly realized they're only compatible with the new 3DS model. What a load of fucking shit. Money grubby, greedy people Nintendo is. You, can, you can't tell me they can't get a Super Nintendo game running on a regular 3DS. They can, they just want you to buy the newer model. This made me turn, turn me off Nintendo permanently. An Damn. extreme opinion, yes, but warranted in my opinion. I think that's an issue that you face with something like the Xbox One Point Five. You know, you can't really just and you saw it with the PlayStation Move or the Connect last gen. Like you can't just put something out there that not everyone has and expect all the the games to take advantage of it. And that means no games take advantage of it. At least none of you know any consequence because they're sure. not going to put stuff out unless it's like Dance Central or you know little things here and there. Um, so that's why I think it needs to be something that's more either with this Xbox or it is just. Everyone, they expect you to do new stuff. But I like that they're, they're talking about software a lot, too. 
and like the whole Windows platform and all that stuff. And we saw with the Xbox One being able to add the backwards compatibility, like maybe there's something there that they are talking about. Just this is this generation is going to be more expandable than any generation previously has because of things like firmware updates. We saw the beginning of that last time or in, with the PS3 I mean, and Xbox, but we're just going to see more and more and more of it. It's interesting that we're a couple years into this gen, though, and they're talking about this stuff. But if they're going to get it going, it needs to get going pretty soon. Right. What do you think, Colin? No, no, I think it's a good idea. Um, I think that we're ignoring the fact that it, the processing doesn't even have to be on the console itself. It can be um, through the cloud. So these these kinds of things can can just run on programs that are that are not native necessarily to Xbox One and then or PS4 or whatever they want to run them on. And then um, you can just mirror those experiences as long as there's low latency or no latency, which there can be no latency, but low latency. Um, that's a possibility as well to have backwards and forward compatibility. As, and that's as my work. problem. The Xbox out of there, one out of three times fails running Skype. You know what I mean? I don't anticipate it being able to beam up to the cloud to get to whatever processing power it needs. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. I think that they're kind of just spitballing ideas that are probably in R&D. And um, this isn't something that's new. I mean, this, Sony was talking about this not too long ago. Where people were talking about PS4.1, uh, you know, some months ago. The idea, you know, and I remember t- saying this, frankly, about, you know, before the consoles came out that I was sh- surprised or we, there was conjecture about it. And then I was surprised that, like, these aren't naturally or obviously expandable. Um, there's no reason to make new hardware because the margins on hardware get big. Get, the margins, the capital margins get higher on hardware the older the consoles become um, to where they become quite profitable. But the money is really made on software. So if you if you give people... Um, you know, a reason to own a console and give them a reason to believe that it's going to exist and be relevant for more than five or six or seven years, but exist maybe for 10 or 20 years if you wanted to, um, with a bunch of expansions and things like that. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need a screwdriver to do it. Um, your, you know, your expansion pack N64 argument is, is F. The, you know, Majora's Mask, for instance, going to be played without it. So it's it's something, but that didn't stop anyone from playing Majora's Mask. Well, uh, because that's also because it came with it. Or, you know, certain, sure. maybe Majora's did. Well, Majora's but, uh, Don Kong because yeah. 64 came with it. So they incentivized people to get that. Yeah, Majora's didn't come with it. But the... But the point is, is that they gave them enough time where like this seemed like it was a rational thing because there was enough games that used it, and um, and you got to you got to a point where it made sense, and you couldn't imagine your N sixty four without this thing kind of just in there. You didn't really think about it, at least I didn't. Um, so I I think that it's 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 a natural idea. I don't I don't know that I think it might compete with some obvious business interests of selling hardware. Um, new hardware, but I also think that these companies have to smartly look at the idea that hardware won't exist the way it does forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's a surprise to them that these consoles are doing as well as they, they are. So they have to think about the next iteration because I think that maybe they thought this was going to be the last generation. Yeah. And it's clearly not. So um, <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of like moving parts behind the scenes of them trying to figure out what it is. And I think a lot of this stuff kind of gets bubbled to the top. It's not like Phil Spencer's not a stupid man. And he's also the man that makes a lot of decisions. And I don't think that Phil Spencer just went and, like, we're thinking about this for fun or he made a mistake or flubbed. Mm-hmm. It's like he's doing it maybe to see like what people think. Yeah. You know, no, and, and so. Good. And just and just and then have his marketing people and PR people just go through everything and be like, this is like the this is what everyone's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it a good idea? I think so. I think it's very pro consumer. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know that these consoles are necessarily built for this either. And that's my big concern. I mean, see, I, I think that they they are. And I think that the USB kind of shows that like we even with the Wii U, who would have thought that you'd be able to play with GameCube controllers? You know, you did. That's a whole new functionality. And they're not talking necessarily about making whole it new functionality this. that debuted on the Wii. What? Nothing. I'm making fun of the fact that the Wii had it. Built no, in the, but that's the Wii had it built in, but yeah. the Wii U didn't. Yeah. And then it did. 
because of the USB. And that's what I'm saying. is like you can add things because USB is so universal. That's kind ah, of the point. Yeah, but that's not something that fundamentally changes your gaming experience. So, <laughs> yeah, it does, but it's just a peripheral. You know? Well, I know, but so, I mean, that's... But this is my problem with this. Like, I think it makes perfect business sense, and I think it's a very smart thing for me doing. But I think, f- from my mind anyway, there's only two ways you implement this. And one is, like you're saying, a physical way to implement this, which, yeah, then you split your demographic. And the other way, is, which I think they're 100% doing, is what Colin's saying to do with the cloud. And I think you can tell that because of Crackdown 3. And that's leaning on those cloud things for like 10 times destructibility with stuff. And I think that's exactly where they're going to try mm. out this kind of platform. How much can we improve our games remotely? Um which to me personally as a consumer is fucking terrifying because every single problem that I have in my life to do with gaming is because they're all fucking online. Yeah. You know, like it goes down <laughs> for a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago. Guess what? I can't play any of my downloaded games. I'm traveling and I don't get good internet reception in a hotel because you can't connect because of possible. Yeah, blah, blah, you're blah. just done. I can't play anything. I can't play anything. And it's so frustrating. I paid money for these things yeah. and I can't play them. It's ridiculous. And nothing is dependable and it's really kind of arrogant to think that the world is ready for cloud with everything like it's not the world isn't ready for that at mm-hmm. all um but i think it makes perfect sense that they explore that definitely and they build towards that for me in my mind it's not ready for 10 years something like that to actually work properly yeah um but yeah i don't know man like i also think there's something to be said about the demographic of alienware and steam boxes and stuff are gradually like they're trying to encroach on the console space and now consoles are trying to encroach on the pc space and it's like, I'm way more interested, like, in the games I can't play on my console, buying a Steambox or buying an Alienware, and I'm cool. I just sit there in those few games, which have become increasingly less because so much stuff, cool stuff comes to console now. Mm-hmm. But I can play those things on that, and I can play in a way that, to me, makes sense because I'm using a 360 pad or whatever. Yeah, know, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm personally not at all interested in consoles getting away from that. Guess what? Every eight years you have that exciting thing. You buy your new box. It works. Everything just fucking works, and off you go. Yeah. Like, if I wanted to mod things if i wanted to change things if i wanted to i would get into pc gaming you know that that option's already there Mm -hmm. and the people who want to do that are doing it so i don't really see the more that they push console into that gap who it's appealing to really yeah because it's just in my head it's just great my life's going to get more complicated and i I want it to get less complicated (laughs) you'll pack your xbox one but you won't pack the additional add-on that allows you to play quantum break four exactly Yeah. yeah i just think it's interesting it's coming up now because you know up until now almost all the consoles had some something that did this. Like even like PS2 and GameCube had the Ethernet adapters, the network adapter and all that stuff, or the hard drive of the PS2. And uh, then the P- I guess PS3 gen didn't really have anything like that. Xbox. You mentioned the HD. Kind of did with yeah. it. Yeah, but that, that was. I'm just saying. Yeah. Terms I mean, that, that was that functionality in terms of it could play a movie. You know what I mean? It wasn't sure. so much for game stuff. I guess they had the hard drive, though. Like it did have that. Um, but this is the first generation really that's just like it, there isn't slots on the system for different compared to put anything in yeah there was of course the vita yeah. the phantom vita slot mm-hmm. that we never found out what it was meant for and then yeah. slowly quietly taken away and yeah, we never will i assume it was going to plug into the vita gps unit that the psp where's that fucking where's my psp gps shuhei yoshida <laughs> fucking why did i even waste my time writing hands-on impressions of that shit at comic-con 2008 if it was never going to show up you owe me my time shuhei Final topic of the day, as always, brought to you, big, beautiful kids over in the Kind of Funny forums. Go to kindoffunny.com slash gamescasttopic to leave your topic. Get it right on the show. 
just like my boy Bojans91 did. Bojans! Hey guys, lately we hear more and more about people playing games but not calling themselves gamers. We refer to them as casuals, but they spend as much hours per week playing games as we do. I think that people who are interested in games outside of playing them, i.e. reading about them and watching videos and reviews, do call themselves gamers more often than not, like us. The other part of why, of the people buying Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA every year, and that's all they really care about. I don't know. That's my take on it. What do you guys think? <laughs> people in the good thought, I don't know. So that's my the whole the whole thing. I, I guess the question that he's trying to ask is like the idea of the casual gamer versus the 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 hardcore gamer versus the gamer in the middle. Yeah. Do you what do you qualify yourselves as, and do you think any of this matters? No, it definitely doesn't matter. Uh, I still if we if we're talking to somebody and they need uh. uh clarity on who we are i guess then i would say we're hardcore gamers sure but i i would never go turn around and be like i don't like i mean like you know the joke filthy casual on the shirt and everything else i hate calling people casual gamers you know it's what is always talked about right and the fact that it's just it shows how young the industry is like mm-hmm. the, oh i'm a gamer you know what i mean like i'm not a movie watcher i might like detectives or drama dramas or whatever but i don't i don't even say that right like i i love uh, it's a foregone conclusion you love movies or like movies or like tv or like books you know what i mean like mm-hmm. most people it's rare to meet somebody's like i fucking hate books i hate tv that i have nothing that would ever motivate me to watch one of those things so like as we move towards the thing where the walls fall down and yes everyone games in some way my mom i would never get one my mom wanted a wii and then when she bought a 3ds on her own I was like, fucking <laughs> shit. All right, cool. Library. But like that, you know, for everything that's wrong about mobile gaming, that's one of the things it has done is that it's brought a whole bunch of people in. And, you know, granted, maybe only 1% of those people ever move over to our kind of gaming or play mm-hmm. games that we really care about. But they're playing games and good enough, whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? It'll eventually be a foregone conclusion that every plays games at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think about this a lot because I get a lot of shit. Like people like insult me by saying I'm a casual gamer. The internet insults you? I'm a casual gamer. Like I don't really like take an, it, take, you know, I'm not mad at that. Like it's, I play a lot of games casually. I play a few games hardcore. Like I am a hardcore player of certain games, Smash. and I am just a gamer in general when it comes to being knowledgeable. Like I, I think that I err on the hardcore when it comes to knowledge of the industry and the overall thing. But it's like when it comes to to playing, I'm not playing all these online things. Like I'm not playing so many of the AAA games that come out. So it's like. All right, does that not make me hardcore? Does that make me casual? I don't really give a shit. Yeah. So it's like I think it's more funny about the people that get all upset about the which one you fit into or not. And, and that's the problem is when we sit there and start trying to, well, that's a casual gamer and I'm a hardcore gamer and they give you shit. Well, like all we're doing is pushing people away from us, even yeah. which is one of the reasons I loved gaming to begin with, is because like when you met other gamers, like, oh, you like what I like? Awesome. That's yeah. I, th- I think the semantics of what terminology we use to describe each other does matter, but I think it matters in a negative way because it just it really maintains that stigma of what the majority of gamers are, which are people who are fucking playing on Facebook or playing on the phone. And that's great. If that's the stuff you want to do, that's awesome. It's not what I personally want to do, but it allows them like they're playing games as much, if not more than I am. Mm-hmm. And yet they will sneer at me when I say I'm really excited for fallout or something. And you explain what that video game is. And so like, the words to me do matter because that's really negative, mm-hmm. you know, sure. and everyone just needs to preach. Like, we're all just gamers. Yeah. Whatever and you're into. It's funny too. You want to play, talking about call of duty or Madden. It's just like, yeah, those games change over time. You know what I mean? Like it used to be Halo and it used to be, it was always Madden, but like, um, it's, it's just funny. Like the, it, that is casual, but mobile games also casual and Nintendo's also casual. It's yeah. like, all right, well, when you start putting all those things next to each other, there's not too many common threads between all. And of them. Matt, and that's what all those games that you just said are so annoying. The fact of like, you can be a hardcore gamer and you love destiny. You only play destiny. You're amazing at destiny. And then you meet somebody who only plays Madden. You're going to call them a casual player. Yeah. Like, you know, how, like how good a really good Madden player there is. You know nothing I mean? casual about like the average Madden or FIFA yeah. player that I know is nothing casual. That's yeah. Yeah. They're night. reading D 
defenses, they, they know where to go, when yeah. to blitz, how to pinch their line. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. A bit of bite says, hey, guys, this question is for Colin, though open to all. You often say that the games released this console generation are really nothing new and could have existed on PS3 or 360. With VR happening in the near future, will we see some new genre-defying games or will it be the same shit, different display? Yeah, it might be the same shit, different display. I just think it's the way that we're going to play these games that are going to be different. I always talk about E-Valkyrie is, is, a, is a space simulator, but it's 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 a, you know, a combat shooter that you know flight simulator have been been around these things have been around for for years and years but it's gonna be a new way to play them so i think that the perspective is gonna be different and i think therefore the genre will be almost different inherently like the, a vr um flight sim as opposed to a regular flight sim is gonna they're just two different genres basically because of the perspective and the way you play them um i do stand by that comment that there's nothing new this generation at all and i don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that either yeah. i just think i'm just it's just an observation that I, I've slowly come to, to realize that like there's nothing new under the sun in games right now. Um, and that, that just might be the way it is. I mean, is there really anything new in movies? You know, like it's, but we still enjoy them. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do think VR is going to be a, a definitely a game changer though. You know, pardon the pun in terms of uh, the way we consume games and the way we play them. Um, I think it might be the biggest paradigm shift for us since, I don't know, uh, dual analog sticks maybe or something like that. Like that's a real or internet connections. Like I just think it's a, it's going to be a significant change. Yeah. What do you think, Al? Um, I don't. I don't know with VR. I don't think VR is going to end up where we think it's going to end up. I think it's going to do something um, more left field and more to do with the general public than to do with games. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how it's going to fit into the gaming space, to be honest. Like I've tried a couple of things on it, and just I personally, I felt nauseous most of the time. Um, Which ones were you using? Oculus or Oculus? Yeah, both times. Yeah. Um, and also, it's just that you know, there's like Google Glass is really cool. Like the concept of Google Glass and a lot of functionality of what it does is actually really fucking cool. How many people use it? Not many people mm-hmm. because you feel like a dickhead, you know? And it's it's like VR's like something that it's really cool, all the stuff it can do, but how many people are actually gonna want to strap all that stuff in and plug in everything and do it? Like, I don't know. And the spatial awareness is something that worries me. I'm more interested in augmented reality personally, mm-hmm. because I don't like not knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like with new games, like yeah, I, I yeah. I think VR is the best chance, but I think new is a word which means like, you know, a huge jump in something and everything's incremental most of the time. So you don't notice it as something becomes new and VR is, yeah, the best chance for that. But whether it'll actually retain that, I'm not convinced personally. Brash Kandaboot says, hey guys, what do you think is going on at Bioware? Just saw that Mass Effect Andromeda's editor is leaving. There have already been multiple departures from Mass Effect slash Bioware. Should we be concerned? No. I think what's happening is they have probably wrapped the script. They can start letting people go in terms of, you know, or they, they feel like their job's done. They're going to be bored waiting to sit around and see what they need to rewrite or do whatever. And you can just start shrinking down the team. It's the mm-hmm. same thing that always happens where video games ramp up. And then when the game comes out, you start losing people. But in terms of a Bioware RPG and the thousands of lines of dialogue, you figure that's got to be done pretty early to get it into the game. And granted, there'll be rewrites and there'll be the rewrites mm-hmm. and changes and stuff like that. But I don't think it's a huge sign of trouble ahead yeah mm-hmm. designers and writers are the tip of the spear so you know once the spear has entered the flesh then it's everything behind it that's that's most important is going to do the most damage and those guys those guys jobs are done dawson 2938 says what's up guys not sure if it was on this show or the game over greggy show but tim has recently recommended two mobile games pagel blast and tomb of the mask i love them both don't get me wrong, I love playing with my PS4, but it's nice to be able to have small games to play while I'm at school. So what other mobile games would you study, guys recommend? Study while you're in school. <laughs> and especially Colin, I feel like you will have great choices. 
That's the part Foul that I'm play not so sure about. But uh, I've talked about most of these games before, but going on my thing, Jetpack Joyride's an old one, but if you just Also are available looking, on Vita? Yeah. All right. Get it on your fucking phone. Um, <laughs> if you enjoyed the types of games like Pickle Blast, like I was talking about, them, you're going to love Jetpack Joyride. It's really addicting. You're going to play it a lot. Rayman Run is also another interesting one. They really kind of nailed what a 2D platformer should be on a like a mobile game where you're not actually controlling. They're just constantly running forward. And you're just making them jump and, and, and glide and do the hair thing and all that stuff. And it's awesome. Um, Pac-Man 256. It's Pac-Man just with a really cool twist. And then Horizon Chase, if you're into old school arcade racer games like the Tony USA and all that stuff, definitely check that out. And then Laura Croft Go and Hitman Go are both absolutely fantastic. And they're also available on Vita if you want trophies. And Thank you. But, you know, you should play them on your phone because you have your phone on you always. Or you also have your Vita on you all the time. Right now, yeah, I'm I, down- I forgot that I have to download Batman v Superman. Who will win? An endless runner featuring Batman and Superman. See how much fun you have with that one, Greg. Superman running. Yeah. Well, he's flying. I think uh, Batman. I don't. Well, yeah. you know what? Yeah, it's gonna be We're going to do a live demo here. And first oh, impressions. Lord. I apparently don't know my Apple ID anymore. Bob SJ says, hey, guys, I recently saw Colin tweet something about how he plays games inverted. I do this as well and was wondering, A, what are those different settings do you guys play with? Inverted, vibration on slash off, etc. And B, what do you guys think it is that causes some of us to play inverted or not? I don't know what causes it. It's probably some weird right side, left side brain shit that I'm not a scientist, so I don't know. Well, it seems to be the the percentage seems to be the same as people who are left handed. About 10 percent of people play inverted, apparently. Um, It seems to be, yeah, something different about a person's brain and the way they perceive the world. Because to me, um, I'm ambidextrous. So like I I mainly do everything with my left hand. But I do. I write with my right hand. I, it's basically the only thing I do with my right hand is write. I grab things, open things with my left hand. I throw it with my left hand. I bat lefty. I play hockey lefty. You slow all jerk it with. I slow jerk with my left hand. Hmm. So like, but I write with my right hand. And uh, but like my left hand is my dominant hand. And uh, so I don't know if there's a left right correlation between inverted and non inverted. But to me, it makes a lot of sense for why inversion uh, to, to stick the the stick in the back of a person's head and you press down to look up. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, why I'm not inverting X, I don't know. So I mean, but it, it, but I didn't. A lot of people that invert also grew up with PC games and flight simulators and stuff, and I didn't grow up in that and with those. So I don't know how or when or where this happened. It might be something as simple as back in the day there weren't inversion um, options in some games, and you did play inherently inverted or inherently not inverted. And I wonder if I just grasped like my brain just grasped onto a game I played as a young kid, mm-hmm. um, where that just made sense. So that when I got to the dual analog kind of era. Or the camera control era, I should even say that. Um, that's just how I played, and that's how I've always played. Yeah. I went through, I mean, we talked about this on the show before, but I went through bouts where my controls were all types of fucked because I was so used to Star Fox and Goldeneye, and it was inverted in that. So um, when I played Halo and stuff for the first time, like I would change my controls. So it was inverted, and I think it was called Southpaw Legacy Controls which meant that you are moving forward and looking left and right with the left stick and you're strafing right and left and looking up and down inverted on the right stick. And I was just like, that's how Goldeneye played. So this makes sense to me. It might be Goldeneye. And then, and then one day all of a sudden it just, it just literally just snapped. I'm like, I can't play like this anymore. I have to play normally. And then it's weird. Normally. Then, then we'll default. Whatever. No, I, I agree with you. It's okay. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you play like I played the, the most, the new Star Fox on Wii U and it's weird how even with flight simulators, there's moments where I'm, it kind of breaks me where I'm like, huh, like I kind of want this to play like a shooter does for me where it's default normal or whatever. 
Um, but I, nowadays, I just, I just play with the default. But other random control things, I this isn't control so much, but I always make sure subtitles are on because I like to know exactly what's being said. And I like to turn vibration off for certain things, for like fighting games and stuff, like Smash Bros. I guess I was so used to the Wave Bird that didn't have Hell Rumble. yeah, Wave Bird. So then now when I play with the, the normal GameCube controller, I try to turn off the vibration because it just feels like it gets in my way. Interesting. Yeah. It's such a slight weird thing. I'm not like I'm a fucking pro, but like it just feels like it's making me worse. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys do any weird shit? I'm the exact opposite of you. Like I'm, I always, like the first thing I do when I get any video game is I go on options to make sure the subtitles are off. Like that's the most important thing. To I me. hate subtitles. Because it just breaks Love my, them. any emotion. Exactly. Because then I don't watch the, I don't watch the scene at all. I read the words. Exactly. I'm like, oh shit. And I watch my girlfriend doing it with the subtitles. She doesn't bother going into options. She'll just read it and then she'll just press B, you know, skip the cutscenes. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, when are you watching this? Oh, I read it already. I'm like, yeah, but, but people, the performance. People mo-capped up for Travis this. Travis Willingham <laughs> just works so hard. Um, Kim, are you ready for my first hands-on? Now I'm Batman, yeah. and I'm running, and I'm I jump. Whoa, jumping high! Come down, but oh, Batman just flies forever. Okay, now he's down. I swipe left. Oh, no, oh, Batman! All right, it's a swipe game, Colin. I'm swiping. This is the future of games, Colin. Great. <laughs> Final Maybe question. Why didn't you put this anymore. on the Vita? I don't know. You don't have to play it with other people, though. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> Final question from Ebo Show. Hey guys, should we be excited about Take Two being a D3, or will or will Rockstar just stay away? What do you think? I don't know that Take Two being a D3 indicates that Rockstar is going to be there, but um. Maybe that would be interesting. Um, It'd be such a huge change for Rockstar to be there, you know? Yeah, I just don't understand why they would need to. Mm. Um, Take Two being there is interesting, but it's what's more interesting is like everyone dropping out of E3. Um, mm. Disney and I think uh, War Gaming are the last one, the re most recent one. There's an Activision and EA, which are huge absences. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It would be interesting if they announced Red Dead or something. Uh, I wonder if it'll be at one of the conferences or something like that. Yeah. But, um, but remember, Take Two owns 2K, right? So yeah. it could be Bioshock. It could be like any of those other things, a Civilization game or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I still expect you to hear about Red Dead this year. Mm -hmm. That's still my prediction. Is that some, we'll get Red Dead at some? But E3 sound, I would be awesome. But it sounds not Rockstar's not MO their in their rock style. style. You know yeah. what I mean? They're not going to do that just because 2K or, or um, Take Two told them to. Yeah. They didn't, definitely want to do it if 2K told them. To. Didn't someone come out yesterday from 2K and to, to take, take two as <laughs> say um, that they want interest in bleeding franchises dry or something? Right. Yeah. We read that on Colin and Greg, and it's it was great to read that where they're like, we could obviously do yeah. this, but we don't. Yeah. Um, Very smart move. Yeah. And you, that's I'm, why. I'm sorry. Good. No, no, please. Sorry. I was just saying that's why GTA 5 is, is GTA 5 sold like what is it, like 50 or 60 million copies or something like that? Because they don't milk Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And so Grand Theft Auto 6, when it comes out in 2018 or 2019, whatever it's going to be, like, they didn't even support it with single-player DLC. So it's 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 amazing, like, how much that game sold, how much that paid off for them to just treat it with a little bit of care. Do you think because the publishers won't be there, though, at E3, it's going to change what's actually on the show floor? Because I was talking about this with a bunch of my friends who, is, you know, we're going as a company, and it's a bunch of them are coming with us for the first time ever at E3, and they're reading all this stuff, and they're like they're getting depressed yeah, like why do we like, go to well, this it's not comprehensive anymore you know it's like you, you want to go there and know that somewhere on the floor there's almost everything you want to find you know mm -hmm. like do you think a lot of those games aren't going to be represented then? well i think no, call of duty be will be in the booth like you know in microsoft's booth or sony's booth or both and stuff like that i just think that these guys are looking to save money yeah. war gaming made a really astute thing where they're like we don't even make a retail game like why would we 
we don't need to be at E3. And Disney's like, we want to connect directly with our fans, which I thought said a lot about media mm-hmm. um, and how unimportant it is for them for, for media to play their stuff like they don't care. Um, so I think I think gaming is just the way games are covered is changing. I think E3 is I think E3 is spiraling. I think E3 is going to die. You figure usually um, for the, not now or next year or the year after, but I think E3 is on its way out. For the big publishers and heads up, Superman doesn't fly. He just runs, which is weird. <laughs> um the big publishers, their games were always at Sony and X, X, you know Microsoft's booth. It was like, they had their own, sure, and they'd have exclusive content there. That's where you'd meet for media. But in terms of fans getting their games, there. yeah, you'll still see Call of Duty or whatever at these places if it's playable. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'll have them there, Good. ready yeah. to go. Madden will be there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, oh I remember uh, back when Marvel's Capcom Three was announced. Like that was one of the big games on the show floor that everyone wanted to actually play. And if you go to Capcom's booth, you had to wait for ever right. to get to it. Everyone was swarming it. But you just walk over the Xbox booth and there was just a small little kiosk with it playing and no one knew. Yeah. That was awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the first ever episode 61 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. Al, hey. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much. Where, where should people follow you? Um, I'm Mr. Al White on everything, including Xbox um, and uh, my company is We Are Tessellate. Um, and you can go on iTunes, type in Tessellate and there's a podcast called Geeks that we do that goes up once a week. We talk about video games and movies and stuff like that. Well, thank you. Thank you. This has been quite the adventure. Thank you, guys, thank as you. always. I love you all. We'll see you next week.